Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Are you still planning to leave for India? I have my sister's blessing, as well as my mother's. And the Queen herself has apparently saved our families from utter ruin. You love your family dearly. As much as you love yours. I was fearful of losing you. It is why I could not visit you after your accident. I could not bring myself to... I love you. I have loved you from the moment we raced each other in that park. I have loved you at every dance. On every walk, every time we've been together and every time we've been apart, you do not have to accept it, you do not have to embrace it, or even allow it, knowing you, you probably will not, but you must know it. In your heart. You must feel it, because I do. I love you. I do not know. I do not think there is anything else to say. Other than I love you too. I want a life that suits us both. I know I am imperfect, but I will humble myself before you because I cannot imagine my life without you, and that is why I wish to marry you. You do know there'll never be a day where you do not vex me. Is that a promise, Kathanisham? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is a promise. Well, then. It seems the two of us are finally seeing eye to eye on something. All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Bridgerton with Mary and Blake. It's a podcast dedicated to Bridgerton on Netflix. So sit back, relax, and let's get ready to spill the tea. Oh, my name is Blake, and I am such a softy. <laughs> I cried in this episode Why? multiple times. Why? Multiple times. When he calls it Kathani Sharma. Oh, yes. Oh, like the actual pronunciation of her real name, yes. not the anglicized version of her name. Yes. Um, oh, and then we also, we, we got the whole thing with, with, Gregory and and Anthony when they're talking at the same time too. Oh my gosh. Listen, so much. I'm not going to get into that right now, but all I'm telling you is that the waterworks route. <laughs> Water, waterworks were just, I mean, <laughs> pumping baby in this episode and I did not truly honest to god and I know I'm being a little funny about it, but truly I did not expect that to happen by the end of this episode. No. 
I just didn't. Uh, because as much as I love Bridgerton, it's not that kind of show for me. It's not This Is Us mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not The Leftovers for me. Like mm-hmm. it, it doesn't hit me in that emotional spot. Yes. But knowing all the things that Anthony has gone through mm-hmm. and what Kate essentially has gone through at the same time, but how Anthony is relating to his father and the whole thing. Hey, Maron, forget about it. It's just beautiful. <laughs> I mean, Absolutely what are we doing? beautiful. Well, of course, this is the finale episode. And so, uh, you know, I can say to subscribe to the podcast, but that won't really do you any good for a little while, right? No, not for a little while. But, but what we can do is recommend that you do head on over to our social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, search Mary and Blake, head on over to our Facebook group, just search Mary and Blake there, as we are having a lot of projects still going. We are podcasting. So if we have been keeping you company, think about checking out some of the other podcasts we do. And if you've enjoyed what we've done, you can let us know that by heading to jointhenerdclan.com, right, Blake? Yeah, go to join the nerd clan, jointhenerdclan.com, if I could speak. It's not like I'm a professional podcast or anything. Jeez. Go there and check out all the great stuff that we have going on, including all of uh, all of our knee-jerk reactions that we do to other television shows that we're watching or movies that we're watching. Uh, or, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we also have Blake's Book Club. So if you're an Outlander fan and you you know you can't get enough of Outlander, hold on, there it is. Got to get my sounder in there. Uh, That's what she said. <laughs> nope, not that one though. Sorry, Michael, don't come back out here. Um, if you if you are a fan of Outlander, we're doing a book club. I am doing a book club for Bridgerton. I'm sorry, Bridgerton. Freaking Outlander. My, you know what? This is what the finale did to me. It just turned my brain into freaking mush. Yes. That's what it did. It's doing a book club for Voyager, the third book in the Outlander series. You don't want to miss out on it. It's a great place for to just nerd out about Outlander and all the other things that are going on there. And of course, Mary, we do have to recommend House of the Dragon, our new podcast for the same titled a show, House of the Dragon, which is essentially the prequel to Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Great show, fun podcast. If you miss Game of Thrones, you miss being in Westeros, don't miss out on that as well. And uh, and yeah, that's in uh, the Last Kingdom with Mary and Blake, and also our eventual return to the Potterverse, which is all things Harry Potter. Right now, we are in the middle of the Goblet of Fire, a chapter by chapter breakdown. So there are things cooking here in Mary and Blake Media. We're busy bees, man. The train has left the station, and mm-hmm. we are we just keep chugging. That's so right. if you want more Mary and Blake in your life, you can have it. Just go to maryandblake.com to check out all the stuff there, or follow us on the socials, whether it is Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, uh, for all of the updates on all things Mary and. Now, Blake. if you have been with us and you haven't yet taken the time to write a review in Apple Podcasts, we would love it if you did. Podfan in Colorado says, love this podcast. I absolutely love Mary and Blake's podcasts. Thank you. Even though I couldn't wait for them to uh, watch Bridgerton, I'm really enjoying hear their commentary and thoughts now. I always think something about in a different way after listening to an episode and I love the relationship that Mary and Blake have. Oh, thank you. That's the idea. I mean, obviously our relationship that we have, yeah, that's the idea too. But no, the idea is that what we do, it's not just a recap and whatever and like, yay, we give our thoughts. But what we're doing here at Mary and Blake Media, one of our our, our modus operandi, Mm. if you will, is to give you a value that is different perspective. What what are you learning about things and how you watch television or how you read a book or how you watch a movie? How does that change? How how can we help you change your perspective so you're not just watching something for the sake of doing it, but you're engaging with it? Mm. And at the same time, 
you know, engaging in a community where uh, there are a bunch of other people in nerds who get to do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, that is the difference I think that we bring here at Marion Blake Media, which, which is not just, oh, this is a recap and a review. It's, it's community. It's community and also a learning experience mm-hmm. for, for you, the listener, but also for Mary and I and, and how we engage with shows. I mean, you hear Mary say all the time, Blake, you catch on stupid stuff that... <laughs> Not stupid. You just catch on things that I don't. Yeah, and Mary does the same thing, too. Like <clears throat> She catches on things, and she looks at, at at stuff in a different way. And I'm so happy that we have each other to do that, and we're here mm-hmm. to, to, to provide that kind of value uh, for you, the listener. And yes. there's one other thing, too, Mary, that I want to say before we get into this episode, which is, to the listener, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this podcast, uh, especially when it has come out months after the ep- the actual season came out. Uh, as you know, Mary and I went through a lot of stuff at the beginning of this year. We continue to go through a lot of stuff, whether it is my mental health or it is Mary's actual physical health. You know, we're, we're fighting battles every single day. And, you know, on top of that, we're trying to be good parents. We're trying to be good um, spouses. And we're trying to provide in light of what I just said about value, we're trying to provide good quality content for you, the listener, so that when you come here and you do listen, you're like, wow, I actually got something out of that. Mm-hmm. And and not just, yay, that was a review. That was a recap. Like, we don't want that. And if we have to take extra time to do that and we, and we have to spread things out, then honest to God, that's what we're going to do. And that may upset some people, but, you know, Honest, honestly, go pound sand because I'd rather make good content that's worthy of your time, the listener, than just getting it out there and having it suck. You Thanks. know? Yeah. So, so thank you for your patience. Thank you for listening. And thank you for, for inviting us into your ear, uh, even though it is late in the game. And season three is already filming. Um, I just, I, I, I know it's been hard for Mary. It's been hard for myself. And I'm sure it's been a pain in the ass for you, the listener. But, it's important that you know how much we appreciate you and, mm-hmm. and, and how you invite us uh, into the, your most personal space pretty much in your body. And yeah, again, that's your ears. Ear. So thank you very much. All right. That's that. Enough of the gushy stuff. I want to get to some, <laughs> some more gushy stuff uh, for the show. So you got anything else, Mary, before we get into the episode? No, that's it. All right. Let's do it. All right, so this was the finale, Mary. Season two, episode eight, finale. The Viscount Who Loved Me. And this reminds me of the James Bond film, The Spy Who Loved Me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the director was the same director as the penultimate episode, Cheryl Dunye, or Dunn. I still have yet to find the correct pronunciation, Cheryl. I'm sorry. Uh, As I mentioned, she has directed many episodes of television, um, but the last one that she directed for Bridgerton was Harmony, the penultimate episode. And the writer, get to know this name, ladies and gents. Okay. Get to know this name, because it's going to be an important one for season three and beyond. Jess Brownell served as the executive story editor for seasons one and two Mm -hmm. of Bridgerton. She also wrote the episode Victory uh, for this season. And you got to get to know that name because she is going to be the new showrunner for Bridgerton from season three and beyond. That's a really big deal. And if you want to know what an executive story editor is, go back to the 
episode for victory we did a whole breakdown of what an executive story editor does and what they do in the role in the writing room but a showrunner for your for the sake of posterity here the, sh- the showrunner is the person that's in charge they are in charge of the whole thing they're in charge of the writing they're in charge of the budgeting they're in charge of making the show operate uh, in getting the you know getting the casting done, get, like they are they're the president of the show, mm-hmm. and of course they have other people underneath them you know doing the tasks and everything. They have writers' rooms and and staff writers and everything. But this is the person that is ultimately responsible for what is being put out there. Chris Van yeah. Dusen has moved on from the project, uh, and not in a bad way, not in a way that is like oh you know I hate this show or whatever. It's just he's moving on to different stuff, mm-hmm. and he's moving it on he's moving on to do some more stuff with Chandelier Media and you know other projects that he's got going on as well so jess brownell big deal awesome big deal here for for what's going on for her and uh and what will be coming in season three so that is your writer and the and we also went over the director so that is that mary your cups of tea rating how many cups of tea are you giving oh my this gosh finale? if you've been listening to this podcast <laughs> You're going to be shocked. It's another five. <laughs> Mary, I'm going to co-sign with you on this one. Wow. I'm going to co-sign. I'm, I'm buying what you're selling, and that is a five. I'm not going five plus because it's not there for me. Okay. But I feel like this episode did a lot of great things mm. uh, and wrapped up in a great way yeah. what this season was about mm-hmm. and also providing just enough um, just enough lead for us to get into season three and what that means, but in a satisfying way, not in a, you know, the horse rears and Kate falls off the back kind of cliffhangery way, but in a sense that like, okay, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what goes on. Mm. So I, I'm in, I'm into that. Mary, you're good, you're bad, and you're great. Dear GBG, what do you got? My good is Lady Featherington getting the ball of her dreams. I love seeing how gaudy and extra the Featherington ball is. All the gold. (laughs) The Featherington ball. Oh, yeah. All the gold. (laughs) Show everything, you know, beautifully. I love even, like, that fireworks are happening, and the queen just had fireworks, what, like, last week? I know. And this is just... But how she crushes Cousin Jack. Oh. It just says, I'm keeping all the money. Bodies I've already them. had my ladies pack your stuff. My team is my three girls who need me, and they're mine. And goodbye. Forge some documents. Yep. You're on your way. And as soon as one of my kids has a son, he's the new Lord Featherington. And by the way, you're, you, you're going to leave here not any worse off than when you came yeah. here. Poor, and everybody's going to know, and they're just going to continue to think what Colin said, that uh, you swindled these poor women. Yeah, so. and these guys just... The, the guy just leaves speechless. Like he, yep. he doesn't even know what to say. See you later. Okay. Yep. So I'm well go. done, Lady Featherington. Ooh, man. You know, I, 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 it's something that I wouldn't have done. You know, very Slytherin. But I have been really proud of her <laughs> this latter part of the season where she's just trying to figure out how to keep her family afloat, how mm. to keep her girls afloat, always thinking about her girls. In the best way, eh, that's questionable. Does she show any kind of love towards Penelope? Eh, that's questionable. But... Uh, she's my good. My bad was Lady Whistledown coming back in the end. Really? Hearing, hearing Julie Andrews' voice when Penelope is screaming at Eloise, I stopped writing for you. I stopped. Yeah, for what? One day? Two well, days? No, it was more like a week. It broke my last pen. My last feather quill. I can't go you. get another quill. You know, like, <laughs> who are you? 
Who are you? I'm glad Colin dissed you I right don't know. now. I, I'm mad at Penelope. I, we're going to have to have a conversation about this. That's because... fine. I'm just, that's my bad. I'm disappointed in Penn. Okay. And then my great is Anthony crying when he finds out oh. that Sharma Sharma woke up. Oh my God. That broke my heart. Mm. Broke my heart. But like in a good way. Like, yeah. Like. There was another. It was another area where I I started to cry myself mm-hmm. because I, man, I got all the freaking feels in this episode. Oh, you do, Blake. So many freaking feels. Mm-hmm. All right, my good. You know, I like Jess Brownell's writing, and maybe it is more indicative of the delivery from the actors themselves, particularly because they they're finally able to live the life that they want. Mm. And they're finally finding their happiness and yeah. thereby can be themselves. But the writing here from Jess Brownell is so human and it is so um, effective in the way she's trying to communicate the humanity of these characters, whether it is the the Anthony and Gregory scene or mm-hmm. it is the scene where Anthony is telling Sharma Sharma how much he loves her and he touches his chest. Oh. And... But there's also this great moment too, and it's it's. I think it's kind of underplayed, or at least uh, it's kind of looked over. But it's when Anthony is asking Sharma Sharma how she's feeling, and he's like, "How many fingers am I holding up?" And oh my gosh, that was so cute! And he switches it to four, mm-hmm. you know, just to mess with her and the yep. whole thing. Um, it's those little things, and again, this is a, a reference to his father who as he noted to Gregory, had a, a a penchant for pranks. Yes. And finally, Anthony is able to kind of live that out mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's in this subtle, small, little effectual way that he does it, yeah. which is the three to four and the prank and the laugh. And <sighs> it, it, it ties everything in so well, but in, in a manner that is... Uh, derivative of their character mm-hmm. themselves not of the plot or what you know what lady whistledown is doing or whatever this is like driven specifically by those characters and i and i like that a lot so yeah. i'm in on jess brownell's writing mm. uh i have a bad for and like i have a tie for the bad okay and anthony's first proposal Oh. oh, almost as bad as my proposal. Almost. Almost. <laughs> almost as bad. Yours still beats this. Um my our first my my proposal was not a great one. No. <laughs> <laughs> However, man, is his close. That that first one is and as soon as he started opening his mouth, I was like, dude, yep. stop talking. Yep. I've been there, done that. Stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew I knew that she was going to say no and I knew mm-hmm. the whole thing uh, and then also if and that's just more of an observation uh, it's not anything bad necessarily about the show it's just like come on dude you gotta be better than that yeah. but the bad the true bad that I have here is that the fact that Eloise finds out about Penelope in the way that she does how quickly she does uh, it feels a little convenient I mean I agree but on the flip side you know, she, ever since the queen came up, she has truly been pouring over every single person in her mind. You know, and she's really yeah. been trying to figure out who it could be, who would work with the modiste, um, you know, putting this all together. And we have to give Penelope credit. She's been doing this for over a year and a half. 
So you mean Eloise? Uh, yeah, and okay. Eloise. We have All to give right. Eloise credit that she's been doing this for over a year and a half. So her you know, possible list of suspects is super small, if not nothing. And then to have this one person who she's never considered and for her to run through her mind the possibilities of it. Yeah, you could see the dots connecting. Yeah. Uh, and there is that moment where, you know, Penn says what she says and mm-hmm. you can see that moment of recognition from Eloise. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't this, you know, overly huge thing. But she she says it all, you know, like you knew about me and going yeah. to the print shop and you knew about these things and nobody else really did. The one thing I will say is this. I like the fact that when when they allude to the fact that Eloise is catching on. Yeah. And later on in the conversation when there is the final confrontation, Eloise says to Penelope, I never heard you talk like that. Yes. And maybe you have talked like that, but I've never listened. I've never heard it. It sounded written. Yeah, it sounded written. And I've never noticed it before mm-hmm. until now. That is something that I can buy. Yes. I, I can absolutely buy yes. that. Because you're right, Mary, when your antenna are up, mm-hmm. finally, and after all this stuff, mm-hmm. and it's a mistake that Penelope makes by doing what, by saying what she says that leads to Eloise's, you know, uh, moment of clarity. Because, I mean, think about it. We've never heard Penelope gossip. Aside from, oh, someone might be, have a baby. Like, she doesn't gossip to Eloise. They talk about other things, but they're not... In that nature, paying attention to other people. Yeah, that's fair. And so I get it. You know, think about if you were with a friend who doesn't gossip and then all of a sudden they're like detailed. These people were hooking up in a closet. This person's shoving tissue down her bubbies. Like you'd be like, <laughs> when did you start gossiping? Right. Yeah. This is so not in your character. Hold the front door. Yeah. So I, I still think it's a little convenient and i still think that it's a little um pushed on us by the end of the episode so that there is this transition for eloise and penelope Mm -hmm. moving into next season um so that's why that's my bad but my great oddly enough my great is the conversation between gregory and anthony um because for the first time we're actually seeing anthony act like a father we're acting we're seeing him act like we're f- he's finally doing something other than brooding mm-hmm. and worrying about the day to day. Yeah, he's actually he's actually the the lord of the house. Yes, he's actually the viscount, as well as the older brother, mm-hmm. as well as the father figure. And it's through the through the lens of adoration for his father that he's actually able to do that. And mm-hmm. not only that, but we actually get a little scene that actually matters with Gregory as a kid. Yes, like finally. Like say what you will about you know the the B team Bridgertons, I mean th- these this is like the F team. Yeah, like Br- Br- you're JV uh, Gregory. Like I even forgot the kid's name. You're the water boy. Yeah, you're not even the water boy. You're like the, you're a fan. You're, you're the guy who does the underwear. Like that's what you are. Ew. Like there's you're the you're the guy who wa- you're the guy who washes the jock straps. Ew, there's oh they should wash their own. They're grown people. <laughs> so. And say what you will, like I said about the B team Bridgertons, but like Hyacinth and and Gregory, mm-hmm. they're freaking nobodies. As a matter of fact, Hyacinth just got recast. 
No way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they need to like age her up probably. So it, it's just, you know, it, like nobody's going to know. Like nobody is going to know unless you hear this podcast that Hyacinth was recast. Like you're going to watch it next season and be like, yeah, that's Hyacinth. Like, huh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. She's got the same curls. Yeah. Like she's still bad at piano. And that, and, uh, when that happens, you know that's a poorly written character. Now, granted, of there's course. There's too many of them. There's too many of them. You can't get into it all, all, all at once quite yet. But still. Doesn't the F1 come back? Sure. When it, what is her name? Don't even know. Goodbye. <laughs> you, you, your name's an F. You're the fail. <laughs> so either way, um, I just I like the fact that we have this scene between Gregory and Anthony because it is just such a transformative moment for Anthony and what he means to his brother, what he means to his family, um, especially after all of the stuff that goes on, how miserable he is mm-hmm. after, you know, Sharma Sharma ditches him and uh, yeah, it's just it's just a really nice scene and a scene in, in which I cried uh, again, again, all the feels, baby. I, Francesca, I, Francesca. There you go. There you go. All right. So uh, the music that was used uh, for this episode, are you ready for this one, Mary? Yes. All right, here we go. Well, Marvin, this is Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus. Mm-hmm. And would you say, Mary, and the final time we have this conversation, this is for the zenial to older millennial, <laughs> yes. even Gen X person. Yes. I think so, too. I would say that this is on the tail end. Tail end of millennial. Tail end. Yes. Uh, uh, not even, but okay. What do you mean, not even? I mean, I have party to party in the USA. Okay. And I am not ashamed to say it. <laughs> and um yeah, I'm I'm here for the Miley cuz remember Blake, we are the Zennials. We're the elder millennials. Yes. So Miley, Miley Cyrus is a millennial too. Yeah. Okay? She's here for it. Fine, fair enough. You know what? I think this might be my favorite cover of this season. Awesome. I think so. Where would you stand in the... I don't even know. I need to go through them all. No, like, and... I mean, we have no, How I Deep Is Your it. Love, What About Us mm-hmm. by Pink, Sign of the Times by Harry Styles, uh, the Kabi Kushi Kabi Gum. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the You Ought to You Ought to Know was a really good one, too. I did love that one. I really liked that one. Dancing on My Own by Robin, Diamonds by Rihanna, Stay Away, Stay Away by Nirvana was a really good one, mm-hmm. too. Um, and then Material Girl by Madonna. I liked Material Girl and Wrecking Ball. I think I'm gonna. Oof. It's a. It's a. It probably speaks more to my tastes, but Wrecking Ball, you want to know, and Stay Away by Nirvana. Mm-hmm. I I think those are the highlights of this season. But even then, I still think I'm gonna go with this song. I still think Wrecking Ball That's is great. is a is a culmination of all of this, and I really liked Wrecking Ball because uh, I, I had the I had the uh, lyrics here, and I closed it out by accident um i just like this i came in like a wrecking ball i never hit so hard in love all i wanted was you to all i wanted was to break your walls all you ever did was wreck me yeah you wreck me i put you high in the sky and now you're not coming down it slowly turned you let me burn and now we're on ashes on the ground don't you ever say i just walked away i will always want you i can't live a lie running for my life i will always want you like Mm. 
just great lyrics and uh, a wonderful arrangement here um, by the Midnight String Quartet. Yes. Uh, and how it plays out during the dance scene mm-hmm. at the at the Featherington Ball between uh, Sharma Sharma and mm-hmm. Anthony. And by God, oh, holy Lord. <laughs> holy Lord. That dance scene. Oh, you still my heart. All right, Mary. All right, so that's where I want to stop. Okay. Okay. Do you want my uh You don't you don't need my little recap at any point by the way? Oh. Yeah, you know what? I, I think didn't, you do. I don't think I do. It's the finale. You know what? Screw, we're breaking all the rules. We already talked our GBGs. Yeah, we did it all. Here you go. Forgot about the finale. I'm sorry. It's you know what? That's an affectation of the fact that I didn't put it in the show notes. I know. You know, you've been telling me this whole time to do it, and I still haven't done it. I know. And I screwed it up. It's okay. I'm going to let this the song ride, by the way. Okay. Because I like it that much. Nice. I appreciate <laughs> that. Okay, let's just get in some little fun things, okay. just to get him out of the way. All right, what the do you queen got? queen saying, oh, do you know that I have a single nephew? Oh, oh yes. Prince Frederick might be coming back. Oh, of course he's coming oh. back. I am so here for it. So here for that. That dweeb. Oh, I love him. I am so here for it. Do you think Prince Frederick and Edwina... I think they'd be a great couple. Do you think they make an appearance in season three? Yes. I think they kind of have to. They have to. Especially if Shama Shama comes back. Yes, please. Yep. Thank you so much. I'm here for it. I love it <laughs> so incredibly much. That's an upgrade, um, and that's by the of way. course also around the same time. Um, the Queen says this in front of Cressida when Cressida and her mom, Lady Cowper, are like making fun of um, Sharma Sharma and yeah. Anthony dancing because they're dancing all by themselves. And the Queen is oh, she is now shipping this couple hard. Oh, they look great, don't they? Look, they? Yes. <laughs> then why is nobody else dancing? Don't they look great? <laughs> <laughs> and I just love that it's like such a burn because she knows that Cressida wanted to marry the prince. Um, just such a great moment. And so now, too, you know that the that the burn that the queen had because of the flopped wedding. Yeah. She's not let go of. Yeah, she's and she's like, oh, no, 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 honey. That yes. wedding didn't happen because... Because I didn't want it to. I chose differently. Like, yes. <laughs> what a way to salvage that yes. moment. Oh, yes. girl. That's oh. why I, That's why that lady, she the queen. Yes. She the queen. Oh, she is. <laughs> why does she always have to snuff so much? What is she? Is it tobacco? I thought it was Coke. Is it heroin? Yeah, I don't think it's heroin, but I, I, I don't know. Coke. You know what? I'm Googling right now. But like, why is it... Why does it have to be so present? Because I actually think that it deters from her character unless she's going to go nutty or OD or have something. Like, I don't think she needs it. I don't think we need to know that she's high a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Yes, we know that she's dealing with the grief of her husband being ill. We appreciate that. We've seen her sadness. And I'm hoping because we've been able to see a different side of her at the end of the season, that next year we don't have to snuff so much. All right. So the, the there's actually been a whole uh, interview about this oh. and that there, many viewers are assuming that it's cocaine. That's why I just However, said. I know. I know. Trap. However, the lady who plays the queen is saying, no, it is not cocaine. As a matter of it's fact. brown sugar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she reassures her fans that her character is simply a big fan of tobacco. That's right. It is not cocaine. You can sniff tobacco. It is, yeah, because it's a leaf. You know, all you do is just cut it up That's and sniff just it gross. up. And and uh, and 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 
she explains that they're that the queen is using snuff and it's an early form of tobacco ingested through the nose. Uh, and the real queen's Charlotte's snuff habit earned her the nickname Snuffy Charlotte. Okay. Okay. So there you go. I mean, but I don't really need it that much more. I hope in season three, she does it once or twice and that's it. According to historian Dr. Will Tullett, snuff was a popular way to use tobacco in Regency England because it was considered improper to smoke pipes or cigars in public. In fact, pipe smokers were relegated to the status of persona non grata, Mm -hmm. Tullett wrote, in the smell in the 18th century England, a social sense. Mm -hmm. There you go. I mean, fine, but I get it. Like To me, it's now going to be overdone if we continue to have this much snuffleupagus going on. I will say, without context... I can see how some viewers are looking at it like, whoa. Well, especially since most of us viewers are thinking it's like hardcore drug. Yes, right. You know, so I do. I hope that they kind of pull it back a little bit. Yep, fair enough. Just just, just rein that, you know, yeah. rein it in rain a little it in. bit. We get it. A little less, uh, little less slack it. in the rope, if you All will. Right. So I wanted to get that <laughs> off my plate. I also need to throw in the Colin situation. Yeah. Oh, you're special to me. You're special to me, too. Um, I'm going to, like, save the Featheringtons and bust up this ruby. Like, he's all very valiant. Secret agent Colin. Love it. <laughs> And then he pulls an Anthony when he's with his when he's with his guy friends. Yes. Oh, I don't like Penelope. Why why would you put her down? Like, okay, if you don't want people to know you have a crush or anything, fine, but like why would you actively speak poorly about her? Maybe you can say, Listen, I'm not in the market right now. She's my friend. Why couldn't he have at least said it a little nicer I instead of being a jerk? That's a f- an absolutely fair point, Mary. Um, like it made me think less of him not that I don't think people would do that I mean we saw Anthony do it earlier this season and but Anthony had a different perspective but like you don't just say like I'm not in the market right now well I think it's it's supposed to be an artistic choice where it's it, like as you kind of mentioned already it, it's supposed to be reflective of what of how Anthony spoke uh, concerning Edwina and how you know he's not marrying for love and all that other crap I'm just is, glad. It just, is it just guys being dudes? I would say so. But it's stupid. I'm glad it happened because I'm mad at Penelope. Good. Hear that. Yeah. That's, that, that, that's, <laughs> I'm not going to say a hot take, but that's a pretty good take right there. Yeah. Like, so, let's pour more salt in that wound. Right, you know what? We have a lot to and talk about. you have about. a messy room. Uh, oh, yeah. Good luck cleaning that up. We have a lot to talk about, I think, for Sharma Sharma and Anthony. Oh, um, P.S. What? Anthony, the actor, Jonathan Bailey. Yes. He um, is the voice actor for a sleep story on the Calm app. For is he really? Years. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So if you. Um, meditations, uh, guided meditations, do know that this could happen in your ears. Come on, Jonathan. That's, oh, there he is. All in search. Of a rare and beautiful flower for his beloved. Over the years he was at sea, the captain penned a series of letters to his love back home in England. Yep. Oh, I know what I'm listening to tonight. Oh my goodness! Maybe you'll have uh, maybe you'll have some dreams like like Sharma uh, like, Sharma did. Hey. No, hey girl, hey. Yep. <laughs> you know you keep it. you keep listening to Jonathan Bailey. Oh, I will. Hopefully, we'll get some benefits out of this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I just need to throw that in these little extra things that I need to make sure uh, 
happen. So let's uh, we got I like as I was saying, I think we have a lot to talk about with Sharma Sharma so and much. Anthony here. But I do want to get into this Penelope thing because I think this is kind of a hot take from you that you were happy that she kind of got it in the head here a little bit. And I want to know more specifically about the transition that goes from Penelope's voice to Julie Andrews' voice and what that means for you. And did you like that artistic moment? Well, to me, I took it as she was writing but it hasn't been published yet. It hasn't been in the hands because I didn't see the papes. I didn't see the newsies um, handing it out. I didn't see people reading it that maybe Penelope is fire inside of her because she's not pissed. You know, she's she's like a villain now, in my opinion. She's, I think she has made a turn in that direction. Oh, yeah. So it's like brewing i took it as brewing the first couple of times i watched it but then the last time i watched it i asked blake i said did you interpret it that she actually wrote again after she tells eloise i ended it for you i'm done with that i'm so sorry and he said yes mary i interpret that lady whistledon's peeps are back yeah i mean i i think you know it, when we're watching the writing action from Penelope. It's important to note that when Julie Andrews starts speaking, that is when Penelope is actually writing the words down on, on paper with the quill. Reader. Uh, those are the actual words. The words that Penelope says are not written. And that to me is a sense of Penelope coming to grips with herself, the choices that she has made, what that means to her relationship with Eloise and her relationship with herself. Mm -hmm. But then she has this turning moment when everything switches. And it's at that point she decides, oh, no, 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 no. You just called me an insipid wallflower. And I'm- You pity me. uh, You pity me. And I'm done pitying myself now. Uh, Colin just, you know- sent me to to freaking mm-hmm. Maz mm-hmm. uh for no reason mm-hmm. and now yeah no we're we're not doing this as yeah. a matter of fact I'm going back and and this is when Julie Andrews starts writing again and I at first I thought uh, starts reading again and I thought wow what an interesting choice maybe Whistledown's going to continue or maybe Whistledown has stopped uh but it's it, they're not using Julie Andrews voice anymore it's actually Nicola Coughlin's voice like this is like cool stuff and then they switched back and I said, I like that better. Mm. I like it better. I like that Julie Andrews is back. I like that Whistledown is back. And it's going to be guns a-blazing for Whistledown uh, for the next season or so. Um, with that in mind, how did you like the final confrontation between Eloise and I Penelope? loved it because, you know, Eloise has continually in this season told Penelope, we don't keep secrets from each other. I'm telling you this because I'm your friend. And let's be real. Penelope did hide from her for a little bit what she was doing, but then she did come clean and Mm -hmm. let her know. Um, And she has just been so forthcoming with her search for Lady Whistledown for this past year and a half. And to go through the queen and the the fear of what it's going to happen to her if the queen did continue. Like, Eloise just went through so much. Mm -hmm. And Penelope let it happen and didn't come clean. She could have come clean and told her, it, it is me. 
but this is what I'm going to do. But this is what I'm going to do about it or whatever. And then Eloise could have at least said, okay, you can write this bad thing about me. You know, like they could have, they could have done something together yes, and come clean and said, I'm really sorry. I've kept this from you. I'm sorry. I wrote that other thing. Um, it's an interesting position that I yeah. think Penelope finds herself in because she doesn't want to sacrifice the secret, mm-hmm. right? Because there has been this whole thing of the secret and what that means to her and how that will affect her relationship with, with Eloise. Mm-hmm. So she, she can't let that loose because she thinks that if she does, she's going to lose Eloise. But she also knows that she's got to get Eloise off the hook. So she does what she does. And it's the worst of both worlds. Yes. Because Eloise finds out anyway. Mm-hmm. And now that things are really bad. Because not only did you put Eloise in danger mm-hmm. of losing. I mean, they, they really, she actually did endanger Eloise's status yes. because nobody showed up to the, to, to the, yes. to the Bridgerton ball. Right. Um, but on top of that, because of this reaction, Eloise turns around and says to Theo Sharp, okay, we can't be together. Mm-hmm. Like I've had my fun. This is that. Yeah, like she's convinced up, herself, like we're, we're moving on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's worse in her mind. Yes. As a result of what? Well, Eloise, this is Eloise's first crush, this first, and like, and he liked her back. Yeah. It's not even just this insipid, like, oh, yeah, I have this crush on this person, but I never talked to them, you know, the, the cute little wallflower crush. Like, this is someone who she had a relationship with, who was on her level, who she has very few of those friends. Mm-hmm. She gets made fun of by her family for reading and having different thoughts. You know, she can kind of sometimes share it with Penelope, but Penelope often puts her down for these kind of thoughts. And she finally found a like-minded individual who she also had thoughts for. And he liked her too. Yeah, and do you, because of all this, do you find that Eloise's comments to Penelope are warranted? You are an, an insipid yeah. wallflower. Yeah. I, them, them some fighting words, man. I mean, I would have said it too. You absolutely would have. And I think the the, the underlying <laughs> issue is... Basically, I'm a Bridgerton, friends, if you haven't told. I'm not a Featherington. I'm a Bridgerton. The, the underlying uh, issue here too, Mary, is there, I think, is always a level of truth to when you lash out like that. There's always a, some level of thinking that is in line with the, the lashing, right? And that's the problem that I get into is people say, Mary, you're too mean. And I say, but what did I say that wasn't true? Right. And they but say, that, but again, that but doesn't, that doesn't mean, mean it's right. This is this is what I Blake and I have to have this conversation on a frequent basis. Mary, just because it's honest and right doesn't mean you should say it. And I say, okay, then what's the other option? The other the other option is to not say it and no. find find the comfort within yourself, knowing no. that what you say to somebody that you love is going to hurt them. Well, you know what? She was hurt. Eloise is hurt and she's allowed to be speak well, and, her truth. And that is what I'm saying because as hard as it was for Penelope to hear when I'm hurt, I'm allowed to speak my truth there's, too. There's a level here of <laughs> truth that makes me think that Eloise really did consider Penelope an insipid wallflower. Is it as is it as heightened as when she did the lashing out? Probably not. 
but is it lurking in the background? Like, like you're just nothing. You're a nobody, and you deserve this. Like, is that there? My thought, my contention is probably yes. Mm. It probably is there, just a little bit. Listen, j- being a wallflower is a fact. Yes. Okay. Is Blake the most kind person to most people? No. <laughs> He's not. I know that you all are like, oh, Blake's so kind. He's probably not, okay? If <laughs> if if we didn't know you through the podcast, he wouldn't be that nice to you if he just met you on the street. I would not. Okay? If you came up trying to sell Girl Scout cookies, he'd say, go get your shine box. This is overpriced. How do I know you're really a Girl Scout? That, however, does not mean if you came up to me and said, hey, <laughs> it said, hey, I'm a listener to the podcast. I really no. like Blake. I would very be nice very warm and, yeah. and, and kind. And yes. Yes, please. If you are yes. a listener and you happen to see me, so what I'm please saying come say hi. Is if I were to ever say, Blake, you have a tendency to be cold and cruel, and some people have called you an asshole, and I can appreciate that. <laughs> and I'd be like, yeah, and? Okay. So for her to say, you're a wallflower, truth. So, yeah, truth. <laughs> can tell truth. which one of us grew in a, uh Irish Catholic household where they never expressed their feelings versus the household from hippies. So much Irish Catholic guilt. So much. Blake Irish is learning Catholic. how to express himself still. We're, we're, we're getting there. <laughs> and we're, I'm learning how to... Wait, we're getting there a little bit before I open my mouth. <laughs> you know, you know what I like to call it—a process. It's yeah. it's just a process. Always. We're learning from the process, yes. Mary. Yes. <laughs> oh man. Um. All right. You got anything else you want to say about any of the other characters? Um. There is there is a little bit of a smidgen here for Benedict in that Anthony paid for his way in to get into. And it doesn't even mean that he couldn't have gotten in without it. We it's like to call the this extra boost. We like to call this the Aunt Becky. Oh yeah, <laughs> that is a reference for all of you. For uh, what the hell's the name of that show? Full, Full House. House. How Aunt Becky paid for her kid to get yep. into USC. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yes. Once again, he still could have gotten in. I agree. This is just a little added boost. I don't think that that was wrong of Anthony. He's got the money. He wants to make sure his brother's happy. He's investing in the in the school. Make sure they have the supplies that they need. Maybe he gets a name on a room, like Danbury has yeah. a name on, on a room. You yeah. never know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they have the right supplies. And... Probably was a great tax write-off. <laughs> right? I, you know what? I'm not going to put it past them. I know. I'm not going to put it past them. And yet Benedict's like, meh, you helped out. I'm sorry? Um, Did you want to stay home? So I guess th- I'm, I'm interpreting this as you don't understand Benedict's point of view. I'm, I'm an eldest child by nature, so fair enough. Fair enough. If uh, it gets Benedict out of my house, out of my hair, because all he's doing dare is sitting on the, the good swing. Name. Don't you dare sully the good stuff, name. Like drinking too much tea. Okay, gets him out of. You know, Benedict made a mess in one of those rooms with all of his paints. Oh yeah, go paint somewhere everywhere. else. Yeah, like. They they had to lay down special Anthony stuff thought, for him. This is an investment in my house. I already have the white paint on my floor. Yeah, from the Bridgerton ball. <laughs> now I have at least I don't have to deal with Benedict's paint. That's where they got uh, it. By the way, loved 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 the scene on the swings, which is a callback to season one yes. when they were on the swings as well. Great stuff there. Mm-hmm. You know, again, I like how the show does this thing where it references its own. Mm-hmm. visual language it mm-hmm. references its own iconography especially mm-hmm. for particular relationships mm-hmm. uh and not just 
and not in doing so for the sake of doing it, but because it means something. There's a mat- there's a there's a there's a method of transference there for us as viewers that when we see the pinkies nearly touch, we understand what oh, that means. Yes. When we see Benedict and Eloise once again back on the swings, we understand what that means, you know, and how they relate to each other. And that, you know, Daphne and 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 Anthony have their relationship and at the same time Benedict and Eloise as the second eldest, you know, brother and sister mm-hmm. have their own relationship. Uh, that is something I kind of look forward to seeing develop a little bit more. Okay, yeah. And, and especially in contrast to I, Daphne and Anthony. You know, what's tough though is with all this Daphne presence, you're just like, where's Simon? It stood out to me. Yes. I will say that Simon's absence stood out. And for those of you who have been keeping score, um, the guy who who plays Simon, Reggae Jean Page, he is not coming back to the show. At all? At all. As of this moment. He's not coming back for season three? No, he's not coming back. Oh, wow. In fact, because he and Shonda Rhimes made a deal before the first season where he's like, I'm going to do this and I want to do it, but I'm only going to do it for one season. Because I, I want to like tell the story, and that's my story. What does he have better on his plate right well, now? Well, he's a rising star, as a matter of fact. He's got he he's just starred in uh, the movie The Gray Man on Netflix. Yep, didn't watch it. Uh, he is also starring in the new Dungeons and Dragons film that's coming out. Okay, that's a big deal. That is a big deal. He is the leading candidate for the new James Bond at the moment. Okay, so he is on the rise. Because he's not like Matthew from Downton Abbey who thinks he's going to be a big deal and really you're not. You're just a CGI beast in Beauty and the Beast. Correct. Although, although I will say this, Matthew is in a great, and I mean great film called The Guest. But could he have still Go done Downton Abbey? Probably. Should have done Downton Abbey. <sighs> but I, I, but then again, it also comes from a different culture, right? Downton Abbey was a British, was yes. a British piece, like a British, uh, a British, um, filmed piece right mm-hmm. so this is an american piece mm-hmm. in american television people are locked up for you know years mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in a contract whereas in in britain people come and go every two three seasons at, okay. at the at the most two or three seasons so i i think there is a little bit of a cultural difference in how television is shot between mm-hmm. the two but you're right mary there is i think an apropos comparison mm-hmm. The rumor on the street right now, and the thing that Reggae John Page has come out and said is like, listen, I'm not coming back. So if you want, if you want Simon to reappear, you're going to have to recast. So okay. they, they might have to recast that character. Okay. Would you be okay with that? Yep. I think so too. Because you know what they're going to do? What? They're going to say, okay, we're going to find an even hotter Simon. Oh, I don't know. They can. They can. He was pretty hot. Yeah, but I bet you there's an even hotter one. So I'm not saying that Simon... Gonna, his audition will be licking spoons. <laughs> I'm not saying that Simon's absence affected the story. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it did. I think it, told, I think it told a good enough story unto Agreed. itself where Simon's presence was not needed. Agreed. But it is certainly noticeable because there's always an excuse mm-hmm. for why he's not there. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that hurt this season at all no it's just annoying because you invested so much in simon last season that it is annoying and lady danbury never talks about simon like it's just annoying you wasted my time well i I mean yeah i mean well again there is something to be said here about like the anthology feel to this show right 
and I think this kind of leads back to the conversation that we were having last episode. And, and I kind of want to have this conversation now, which is this season was not as visually um, delectable. I think I, th- I think I said last episode mm-hmm. as the first season. It wasn't as visually um, stunning. But I, I'm not sure if it was meant to be as visually artistic as the first season. Mm. Because this felt more character-driven. It felt more gritty. It felt more rooted in complex emotions than the, you know, all-out lust and all-out burning between Simon and Daphne and the artistry involved in telling that story. Would you agree with that sentiment? Yes, I am happy with how this went. Did I have enough uh, grandiose, colorful shots for my phone background from this (laughs) season? No, but I think it was much more in tune with Anthony. Anthony is very much behind the scenes. He does not want to necessarily be the center of the tension. He did not want to have to have this role of being the Viscount. Um, you know, Daphne loved being the diamond. She yes. loved getting all dolled up and hosting thing. balls and all this kind of stuff. And so I think the feminine nature of Daphne lended to last season being opulent and colorful and visual and it being new because everything was new for her. Whereas the Viscount is in charge of his family unit. And so I liked that we spent so much time in people's homes Mm -hmm. and in people's bedrooms and in people's uh, intimate conversations. Sure. And I I think there's obviously some visual cues that translate in, you know, from the first season into the second season. Mm -hmm. Of course, that being the bee, that being the Bridgerton home, you know, all of the flowers and like. You know, and it is still colorful in nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, the costumes are still opulent. Uh, the queen still has, you know, her amazing wigs. Uh, you know, like there are things that translate, but the visual palette, um, I'm sorry, no, no. The palette, I think, is relatively the same, but the language mm. in which that palette is communicated, I think, is different to, to for this season. And I wonder if that visual language will be altered for each subsequent season so that it most benefits the character in which over or on which the season is based. I would assume so. Yeah. And that's why I think this show has a benefit of it being anthology based, moving from one character to the next, to the next. Mm -hmm. I do think that we spent a lot of time with a lot of people. I would have liked to have spent more time with Kate. I would have spent. I would have liked to have spent Agreed. more time with Edwina. Agreed. I would have liked to have spent more time dealing with um, Anthony's own issues instead of the search for Whistledown and all that other stuff. But in the end, Mary, a lot of these things are tied up in a way that I think is satisfying, but mm-hmm. not in such a tight little bow that all's well. Mm-hmm. Do you like the fact that? We don't get a nice little neat bow. Yes, I'm here for it. What stands out to you that is not tied up, that is not a nice little neat bow? Eloise and uh, Colin. Uh, Obviously, anyone related to Whistledown is is not neat bow. Um, So, yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I would also say I think Benedict here too is not tied up nice and neat. Like it, there, there's some stuff that's going to be lingering. I here. mean, he bowls me, but yes. Don't you dare! I already have, and I can will continue to just sneaky it irks you. best character. Yeah, but like whatever. Oh no, my brother paid for me to go to school. Okay, so are you going to apply again next year and see if you can get on your own merit? Or are you going to find a new hobby? <laughs> get over yourself. Get like, a new hobby. Go seriously. Go I'm, do some archery, it. will you? Like, I'm just over it. Get into baking. <laughs> do something useful with your life. Do some sourdough, just like all, yes. the, just like the rest of us. Okay. Yes. yes. <laughs> It's the grossest thing ever, sourdough. No, it's not. You eat my sourdough. No, I know. I. <laughs> oh my god, I can't with you. That's what she said. <laughs> I, I can't. No, I, but just like the process of how it's made, and it just sits there, and it's warm, and it like just bubbles, and it, it, it's gross. Okay, well, most of the things you eat are gross, Blake. Hate to break it to you. I think it's incredible science. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a dork. It's just no! Oh, all right. Um, you want to move on to Sharma Sharma and Anthony, or do you have anybody sure. else that you'd like to talk about? No. Um, because we are fifty-six minutes into this episode, yeah. I just recognized that we've been talking for quite a bit. Yeah. So let's get into the Sharma Sharma and Anthony of it all, and how it res- how it gets resolved. Mary, your favorite part of the uh, Anthony and Sharma Sharma interactions and what goes down between the two. Uh, what is that? And the, the, the follow-up question is, are you okay with a wedding happening off screen? Yes. Okay. Yes, I am okay with it being off screen. I loved the fireworks because I am here for the backgrounds, of course, for my iPhone. But I love that he finally says, I love you. And she says, I love you back. I've been waiting for that moment for quite some time. Yep. So that was one of my favorites. I did also love their dancing and him just telling her, you know, just ignore everybody else. We're totally fine. Or did she say that? I don't even care because both of them could have said it. No, he said such it. Strong individuals. Yeah, I, I'm just here for everything. I think there was a missed opportunity here. But when he says ignore everybody else, mm-hmm. I would love to have seen only them in oh, the room. Black out, like a blur out, like yeah, house, just the them. wedding. Okay, uh, and because that w- again it would have mirrored the wedding. Mm-hmm. That it's only her that matters to him, yes. and the fact that he says that to her, it's he is the only thing that matters to her at that mm-hmm. point. Like I think there's a missed opportunity. Agreed. There. I would agree with that. If it was just them dancing mm-hmm. with uh, with maybe with the band playing yes. and everybody else is outside of the room. Oh, that would have been lovely. That would have been quite nice. Uh, I, it would have carried through that. Again, that visual language mm-hmm. of what the show is trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would have, I think that would have been the payoff at yeah. that moment. Um, we do somewhat get that moment, but just in reality as opposed to a virtual reality or not a virtual reality, but just in a, in an imagined reality um, when they're together, you know, in the gardens and the fireworks go off. Mm-hmm. And I think you can make the argument that the dance is, you know, is their wedding dance, right? It's like, it's when they finally recognize that we need to be, because, Oh, what? What? Hey, when, 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 when they got the hands, Oh yeah, and she lowers it lowers down it below down. her eyes, yep. and it, yep. all you see is, oh yep. man, oh. Bam. No, no, you know what that was? Do you know what that was, Mary? No. 
here for it. Oh, here sent for shivers it. up my spine. <laughs> just the whole, what you know, that whole thing, what that means for them and how they're finally seeing each other mm-hmm. for who they are, what they are, what they're doing, and, and that they both recognize that this is what they should be doing. That all that it's only them that matters. They're finally uncovering the veil that have blocked them from uh, having the, you can just go on for hours about I this. See you. Like, yeah, I see going full avatar. Yep. They went full avatar. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> no, ladies and gentlemen, that was not Mary Chewing. She was trying to be one of the Navi. Speaking, yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, Blake. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, yeah. I think you can make the argument that it was their wedding dance. I think you'd also make the argument in the gardens that was them exchanging their vows. Mm-hmm. And they do finally have that moment, which would be reflective of the moment of Anthony seeing her and only her in her veil in the wedding dress alone. And that is both of them alone yep. in the garden. Yep. Uh, I think the language is there, but feels muddied in comparison to what I propose, which is them being alone in the dance room. Do you, do you, would you? I was fine either way. Yeah. I actually thought that it showed strength having them with other people on looking. Yeah. And that we could just interpret it that way. Sure. And I, and there's also further evidence, I think, that, that proves this too, is when the fireworks go off, that is, you know, reflective of when the queen Oh, yeah, they're the just like make-out session. Who cares if someone turns around? Yeah, but no, like, remember what, in the wedding when the queen says, oh, we're going to have these fireworks go off as soon as they say, I do? Yes. Uh, oh. You know, the fireworks go off when, when Kate finally says yes. Cute. And I love you when the whole thing. So, yes. yeah, like, I think there's some language there, though muddied, mm-hmm. but still... The, present that is there you know confirming that this mm-hmm. could be their wedding so like you mary i think i'm okay with there not being a wedding like yeah. i don't think i need it no i i think there's some sentiment that's out there that why did we spend an hour on edwina's wedding as opposed to kate's wedding because it was fun and there were peacocks <laughs> but i think it's more necessary to spend that time with edwina's wedding yeah. It's more necessary so that you get the weight of the choice that is made. What else, man? You I'm know? here for it. Because again, when when you choose something that's wholly good, like the marriage that's going to happen between Kate and Anthony, like there's there's nothing, there's no drama there. There's nothing to like. It's it's gonna happen. Yes. So like, what are we doing? We're just doing it for the sake of doing it, just to catch up. I would rather not happen and get to the rest. Hmm. Um, and that's why it's so important to invest in that and. Mary, I think it's also important to invest in, um, like, the fact that Kate says no to Anthony at first. She denies him the marriage. I mean, obviously, yeah, for you know what, how he said it, and you know, like, there's a duty, and we took liberties, and mm-hmm. but it's important for her to say that. You know, it's important because a character when they're trying to live out there anti-theme like when when she go and she starts the season you know all she wants to do is be a governess and she's living for her for her, her sister's sister, happiness yeah. and every character when they're in the midst of change right before the change it's important to give them a choice to go back to the life that they were living before mm-hmm. all of this change started you have to do it yeah because if you don't do that there's no growth that you have to give them an opportunity to say like remember, I've changed. I've yeah. changed in, or like a recognition of change. Remember Marlin in Finding Nemo when mm-hmm. he finally gets Nemo back and he's like, "Can we just go back to the reef and enjoy the view?" It, he has an opportunity to do so. Yet he doesn't, 
and he allows Nemo to continue to continue on and go through the rest of his journey. Yes, that's the same thing that's happening here. Um, Kate, it's important that she chose to not do to not go forward with it until she makes that choice, mm-hmm. right? Um, what do, do you do? You blame Kate for saying, "Hey, Anthony, take a hike." No, I love it. Do I you, love that she gets to be playful and. Um, I don't know. Give him a little something. Yep. I I kind of was a little annoyed that she was upset that Anthony didn't show up. When like, she was asleep? When she was asleep. Did you get that sense that she was upset that he didn't show? Mm. I mean, it was a week and they had just had oral sex on a pavilion. Yes. So... I don't know. The way that she reacted made me feel like this is the norm. That if someone cares about you, they come and visit you when you're when you're knocked out. Yep. So I can appreciate her being upset. I don't know, dude. I rescued you. Like I am the one who found. I you. rescued you, and then I left you, and yeah, I haven't. Well, the doctor told him to take a hike, so you can't you can't blame him for that. I know. Like, I picked you up in the rain and I carried you in one of the most romantical moments of the entire season. But she wasn't awake for that. She doesn't know. <laughs> but she got people around. Was. She's got people around her to tell I her. No. Oh, man. I feel like that's a little, a little bit unwarranted <laughs> there, kiddo. You should be happy because otherwise, who knows? You got bleeding from your head. Oh, uh, I know. You got some issues with that you guy. Unless that you guy do. ain't there. Oh, my God. Speaking of that. Oh, man. When, when he. I, this might have been just Jonathan Bailey, but his acting when his mother comes out and says she's awake, and like you could see, so his, see him put his hands on his eyes. That's why like, it was my great. Oh, how convenient that someone drives by on a horse carriage as he's picking her up miles away from their house. Oh, good point. Yeah, yeah, little little convenient, little a little riderly. Well, I'll give you good because I can't carry her this entire way. And putting her on my horse, jostling her it would probably, probably wouldn't be help bad. help the, the the brain injury. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> um, and the, you know the funny thing is, I think Mary, the only thing that could potentially give healing to the situation between um, Mary and Edwina and Kate is what happens, and mm. that is a mortal, yeah, potentially mortal. Put injury. things into the big picture, yeah. They're, they're, that's the only way I can see these three healing mm-hmm. in any capacity. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Edwina has the enough moral compass and enough wisdom mm-hmm. to say, we've spent so long trying to play these roles that we don't even know who we really are. Yeah. So can we just please finally be the sisters you know, that we actually are? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a real moment of inflection and, and reflection. Yeah. You know, like. And I'm proud of her. And that's why I, I'm okay that she had her little emo phase. You know, we're all allowed to have that. Yes. And then she had a little growth. Well, I mean, there was, yeah, absolutely. There was some growth. <laughs> and it maybe inspired by the whole, you know, brain injury. Exactly. Type deal thing. But it's, it's worthy of, I think it's worthy of that relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think. It's a it's a natural thing for that to happen, you know, for for those for those characters and and for people in general. Like yeah. when when somebody comes close to dying, it does put stuff into perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, it it does help, and it does you, you do figure this stuff out. Yeah. 
Um, happens for me all the time. You know, I mean, not all the time, but like it happens. No, it does happen all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, you get you get perspective. Our, our running our running tally has been eight days. What do you mean? Eight days, three days. What do you mean? That you're crabby. Uh huh. And then you come around in three days. <laughs> it's it's gotten far less than three days. Two and a half. No, I would say probably a day. <laughs> maybe maybe you're right i don't know how about we how about we meet in the middle and say two okay sure blake sure um so we have that and i think as far as this season is concerned um you know this has very much been about grief and mm-hmm. what grief is and finding your your purpose mm-hmm. and finding your your heart and you know, sticking to decisions and and admitting when you're wrong, but also embracing love and embracing pathways and and it's been very much about how you know fathers have um you know influenced families mm-hmm. in decisions that were made and deaths and all that stuff, but throughout this season too, I I think we see a really big emphasis on mothers and what they do for their families and you know in in particular you know uh whether it is um lady mary you know talking to kate about how it wasn't her responsibility and Mm -hmm. she needs to find love and or you know portia featherington like bodying cousin jeff Uh. Yes. You know, or in this case, which is also another one of my favorite moments from this episode, which is uh, Violet talking to Anthony and saying mm-hmm. it never should have happened. What happened for you is to you when your father died. Mm-hmm. What happened with me? It's something that I think about every, every single, single day. Mor- every single night before I close my eyes and every morning when I wake up. Oh. Like. <sighs> oh. Oh. You know, and she says, I'm so sorry it was you mm-hmm. who was with your father that day. Mm-hmm. And I'm so sorry for everything that happened in the days that followed. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a big deal. Yes. Like, no parent should ever have to have this kind of conversation mm-hmm. with their child. No child should have should ever feel this way from their parent. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a this is a major, if not seismic conversation yes. f- for these two. Um and I love how Anthony says, I just, I don't think I can go see her. Like, I don't, and like, he's crying. Ugh. And Violet's just like, dude, true love is worth it. Like, real mm-hmm. true love is worth it. Just go do what you got to do. Just go do it. Oh, it's so good. Like, screw everybody. Um, and there's such growth, I think, for both of these characters and what they're doing and what, and it's all reflective of the choices and of the information that their mothers are giving them. Mm-hmm. It's just as important to acknowledge the mothers as well as the fathers. Yes. Do you find that same? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, we didn't really get too awfully much of Kate Sharma Sharma's father acknowledged in this episode. Um, but what we did get, yeah, is Lady Mary trying to apologize. Mm-hmm. And saying, you've always been my daughter. And I've loved you the same. Mm-hmm. I think she did a crappy job. <laughs> and not only that, we have both characters in this in this episode, both Kate and Anthony, saying at one point, 
all of this is my fault. Mm-hmm. This is all my fault. Yeah. The whole thing. Um, I think it's important to have that mirroring. Agreed. And when you rec- when you look at it and you see the circumstances, uh, they both have these qualities that are reflective of each other, but they both are separate in their own ways. Mm-hmm. But they are really, um, they are brought on to each other in a way that they are alike, but also give them t- the permission to accept themselves as they are. Do you see what I'm saying? I do. Like that's what makes this relationship work. It's and just that, so beautiful. Yeah, that, that's the way that this and they can still be happy. Yeah, the emotional math works because of that. Mm-hmm. Like they can be themselves, they can accept each other for who they are, and find love in that. Yeah. So that is that. All right, Marvin, you got anything else that you want to talk about for this episode? No, I just loved it. Where would you put? Did you enjoy season one more than season two? No. I enjoyed season two more than season one. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yep. Interesting. I don't know. I go back and forth. That's okay. I, I go back and forth on it. Because you're right. There's something so magical about the first season. Yes. But and I, the excitement of Whistledown was very different yes. in the first season. And we as the viewer were trying to figure it all out. But I really did enjoy this season. Yeah. I enjoyed them both, but yes. I liked this season actually more. There's something magical about the first season, but there's something more real about the second There's mm-hmm. something more um, specifically human about the second season. Yes. And I like that. I like, and of Same. course, daddy issues, right? Like, you, you give me daddy issues, I'm in all <laughs> And Blake them. said, exactly. Um, so I can take that. And, and you, you give me all the conversation between Gregory and Anthony, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lap that up. Mm-hmm. Like, you just, such a great moment. Like, he just gives him a hug and talking about his love of his dad. And I didn't <sighs> know dad. And what was he like? And, yes. you know, like, oh, I could just watch. I, I was this close to playing that at the top at the top of our episode. This close. Oh, I bet. I I was gonna do it. That's a Blake loving kind of thing. <laughs> but I but I didn't because, well, I think people would freak out if I did that. So I, I chose not to. It's okay. We um, would have known why. Uh, I know. So, um, Mary, last question I have for you: Do you think that episode? the eight episodes was the right number for this season. Yes. I feel very satiated. I feel like I got to see everyone I would have wanted to see. So I feel good. If there's an option that you had to choose, like, okay, Mary, you have to choose over or under eight. Do you want more than eight or less than eight? Oh, why? I like eight. No, no, eight but it's like, great. No, no. But if you had to say eight can't be the number, like eight is good. Okay, fine. But if you had to choose more or less, did you want to get more story out of this out of this season, or did you want to get less? I would have done more. Interesting. I would have wanted a little bit more time with Kate. Fair, absolutely fair. Um, I think I probably would go with a little bit less. I think I would go with the six episodes. Okay. A little less time on the other stuff. More time with um, more time with Kate and Anthony, mm-hmm. uh, and be more efficient with those things. Mm-hmm. So that's that. Okay. Uh, you ready to close it out? I am. All right, everybody. Let's close out the show. Thank you ever so much for tuning in to this season of Bridgerton with me and Blake. Um, we have loved delving into the show. We cannot wait to delve into season three. 
as we've said now countless times, head on over to our social media so you can stay in the know with us. We still are sharing all things Bridgerton, even though the season is done, even though our podcast season with the show is done. We are still talking about it, and we would love for you to check out some of the other podcasts that we do. And maybe you haven't watched those shows, but hey, if you like our style, maybe you'll like one of those shows. My guess is that you probably will. Somehow, some way, <laughs> we podcast about something that I think I know you're going to like. And uh, and the, the most important part is that you just find a community. Mm-hmm. You know, you find a community that loves the things that you love, and 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 a great place for that is the Mary and Blake Facebook group. Um, it's just you know that, that's over 3,500 people that are in there that just nerd about nerd out about the things that they love. Yes, right, and that's that's a special place. It truly is uh, because it's not just Mary and I dumping our content in there. It's like people having real conversations, like you know about a show that they see and that they love, or a mm-hmm. book that they're reading that they love, and and it just so happens that this person over you know in California read that book too, and you know like it's a whole thing. Yes, you know, and and I love that. So please do get a chance. Uh, if you're a Facebook person, go to Facebook and, and, and check out the Mary and Blake Facebook group. You, you don't want to miss out on that. And of <laughs> course, you know, we have all the other stuff that's happening at the Mary It's all the podcasts, all the blogs that are there and join the nerdclan.com too, where you get a whole bunch and a whole range of extras from Mary and myself, including uh what the an episode that we're going to end up doing, which is our top five favorite things uh, to do d- during Drought Lander and during you know the drought of Bridgerton season two in, uh, between seasons two and three, mm-hmm. uh, we'll have an episode coming out of our top five favorite shows or movies to watch during that time. So all of those things are are brought to you at jointhenerdclan.com. You don't want to miss out. Again, thank you for your patience. Thank you for all the things that you have done for us during this season. I, I really like this show, and uh, it's an honor and a pleasure to, to podcast about. And trust me, I just like spending time with my wife. <laughs> That's what it really comes down to for me. Likewise. And uh, even though she makes fun of me constantly, constantly. And my love for tacos. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see you for next season, season three. And that's that. All right, everybody. My name's Mary. My name is Blake. Now go out there and brew some more tea. Thank you.